Well, last uh, Sunday we looked at David making a mess of his life, <laughs> making a mess of himself, getting himself into a mess. And today we'll see just how big a mess it is. You know, we think of this man, a man after God's own heart, he's called in the Bible. He was chosen by God there. Remember, Samuel went to Jesse's house and he saw, oh, this first one, Abinadab, oh, he must be the one. Looks so great. God said, no. Why did he say that? He said, because God doesn't see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Tonight, God is looking at our hearts. And uh, as we look at this life of David and David's story, let us begin to understand what God is actually expecting to see when he looks at our hearts. Because perhaps we're expecting our hearts to be slightly different to what they really are. Well, David has made a big mess of his attempt to save himself from Saul's persecution. You may recall that he decided of his own volition that he would retreat into Philistine territory because Saul had kept pursuing him and he thought, oh, this is too much. I'm going over to the Philistines. He didn't ask God. He didn't consult God. And he went over, formed a friendship with a a Philistine leader called Akish. And as we looked at originally in that story, It's almost immediate that David aligns himself with someone who is corrupted by worldly influence and has no interest in the God of Israel, in fact is fighting against Israel, that David's heart is corrupted almost immediately. And this happens to us. When we form friendships with people who are actually corrupt, we ourselves become corrupt too. That's not to mean that you don't befriend people who are out in the world and share the good news of Jesus with them. But when you start to align yourself with their thinking, your heart will be easily corrupted. And David's was. He began to lie. He told lies. He told Akish he was fighting the Israelites when actually he was fighting the enemies of Israel to keep a friendship with Akish. And lies led to more lies. And, you know, Akish says of David, oh, you've been so righteous. I haven't found anything wrong in you. We can deceive people, can't we? And David did just that. He was deceiving Akish. A man after God's own heart? Well, last Sunday we saw how he was caught, if you like, trapped in this alignment with Akish as the Philistines set out to fight Israel. And Akish said to him, well, you come with me. And David said, yeah, I'll come with you. Oh dear. But God in his mercy caused the Philistine leaders to reject David so he didn't have to fight his own people. That was the mercy of God. And then as a result of this, David goes back to where he was encamped with his team, with his wives and his family at Ziklag. And what do we read here? In 1 Samuel chapter 30, what did we read tonight? 
When David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag, burned it with fire, taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but they carried them off and they went their way. Well, David didn't actually know that any of them were still alive. His decision here to align himself with the Philistines and be in the Philistine territory has now led to the Amalekites raiding the town where he left his wife and his families and burned it with fire. Well, how would you think he's reacting now? He has got himself into a mess and it's a big one. In fact, we read here, when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. You know, when you make a big mistake... And you're in a big mess. Oh, get out of this, you know. We'll get out of this. No, David doesn't think he's going to get out of this. He is weeping. And in his weeping, with no more strength to weep, what do you think he's thinking? Oh, what have I done? What have I done? Coming over to this Philistine territory, what have I done lying to a kish? Look at the fruit of this. Why do you think in Psalm 34, which I read tonight, does David so boldly declare the words that I read to you? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Because David knows the fruit of doing it. And here he is in a mess. His family ransacked and taken away, possibly killed as far as he knows. He doesn't know that they're still alive. All he can see is a burnt city. And he's weeping until he has no more strength to weep. And verse 6 it says, And David was greatly distressed. Because not only has he made a big mistake, but now his own friends, the people who have aligned themselves with him, are doing what? They're talking of stoning him to death. What have you done to us? You foolish leader. How's he feeling now? (laughs) It's not just a mess for himself. He's made a mess for everybody else. And this is a man after God's own heart. What? Have you got yourself into a mess? Have you made big mistakes? Have you found yourself, you know, things are collapsing around you? What is David going to do at this point? He's weeping, no more strength to weep. He's deeply distressed because the men he's with are proposing to stone him to death. Bitter in spirit because of their sons and daughters. And then we read this vital verse right here in 1 Samuel 30 David strengthened himself in the Lord his God David strengthened himself in the Lord his God now this word uh, in the Hebrew means to grow in strength 
to grow in strength. You know, when you've made big mistakes and you've wept so much that you've got no more strength to weep, you're not feeling very strong. You're feeling absolutely weak. There's no strength left in you. But God is our strength and a very present help in trouble. You see, the difference between Saul and David, they both make mistakes. But in Saul's life, you never have this. You never have a man in deep distress turning back to God himself and saying, I have mucked up badly. I have done everything wrong, Lord. Help me. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to be honest with God? When you see things taking place in your family life, in, in your, your circumstances, it's easy to blame other people, isn't it? But actually, God doesn't want us to say, well, you know, uh, because of my righteousness, uh, uh, all these good things have happened to me. That's the way we look at it. And you'll see in the story, that's the way most of the people, even surrounding David, looked at it. Oh, because of our good deeds, we deserve the, the blessings. We deserve nothing. David deserves nothing. But David strengthens himself in the Lord his God. What sort of a God is David's God? A God who is merciful, forgiving, abounding in steadfast love. A God whom he describes in his Psalms. And have a look at his Psalms. Read them. Read David's prayers and see the sort of man he really is. You know, Psalm 69, which he wrote, beautifully illustrates some of the story here. Although it may not be directly related to it. He says, save me, O God. For the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire. I have mucked up so badly. Save me, O God. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me. Those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal must I now restore. Oh God, you know my folly. You know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. This is not David saying, oh, I'm righteous, Lord. You know, I've done so many good things. You must reward me. No, he says, save me, oh God. This is the character of the God you've come to church to worship tonight. He's a God who saves. And Jesus said he didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save sinners. He came to save people who, who muck up, who make a big mess of themselves. This is why David is a man after God's own heart. Because he believes in a God who saves you when you've mucked up. 
Look at Psalm 51, which I'm sure you've read. If you're a Christian, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a right spirit, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. After you slept with Bathsheba, had her husband killed. A man after God's own heart? Let's get our perspective right here. Let's understand what it is to be a man after God's own heart. A man or a woman who believes in a God who saves you when you make a big mess, when you muck up badly. This is the God that David is seeking now. This is the God he's seeking to find strength in. A God who saves us out of the miry pit. And his psalms are full of these things. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me. You know, here he is with these friends of his and their families have been taken captive or possibly killed. They're all trying to kill him. And now, David, let not those who hope in you be put to shame because of me or my mistakes. It's you, God, that we need. Oh, Lord God of hosts, let not those who seek you be brought to dishonour through me. And now as he's praying in this way, as he's deeply distressed, do you, do you think this is just a you know, quick one hour time or a few minutes? Is this a sort of prayer that you just quickly get over and done with? So I said during Bible study this week, I had a preacher come to this church years ago. He told someone in the congregation, a quick prayer is a good prayer. I never had that man back again. What an absolute lie. Have a look at David's prayers. There are no short prayers here. Well, not many. There's one or two praising prayers that are a bit short. But the ones that take hold of the heart of his troubles, he prays and pours his heart out to God. Because he believes there is a God who hears the cries of his people. And the Bible is absolutely full of this truth. God hears the cries of people who believe in his name, who believe in his character, who believe that he's a saviour. And the Lord Jesus comes to declare to us, God is a saviour. This is why David is a man after God's own heart. He goes on in Psalm 69. I'm the talk of those who sit in the gate and the drunkards make songs about me. But as for me, my prayer is to you. O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me. In your saving faithfulness. This is what David believes about God. He mucks up a lot of times in his life, David. But he believes that God is a saviour. Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Answer me, O Lord. For your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Now, you don't need mercy if you've lived righteously. (laughs) You need mercy when you've mucked up and done wrong things. And one of the biggest wrong things we do is to be proud and think we've done it ourselves. (laughs) 
We've done nothing. It's all of God. He's the one who's providing for your daily provisions every day. Looking after you, watching over you, caring for you, answering your prayers, rescuing you when you cry to him. He's doing all of this. It's all of him. Answer me, O Lord. Hide not your face from your servant, for I'm in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to my soul, redeem me, ransom me because of my enemies. You see, David, his prayers are pleas from the heart. I'm afflicted, he says in verse 29, and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. So we have this time of deep distress. David, in verse 6 here in chapter 30 of 1 Samuel, and David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. And then we have this verse. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He got his attention away from himself onto the God he worshipped and believed in. Now friends, you and I need to do this. You will have times in your life when you are deeply oppressed and feeling a failure and hopeless and all the rest. And there's no hope by looking to yourself because you're not going to be able to save yourself. But there is hope in God. And here in the Bible, David is illustrating to us how to pray and how to be strengthened in the Lord, his God. It's good to have fellowship with other believers, but the best person to have fellowship with is God himself. Because he's a saviour. Because he lifts you up when you're bowed down. As David says there in Psalm 34, God is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So if you're crushed in spirit, God is near to you. You just need to call out to him in your crushed in spirit state. You need to believe in the God that David believes in, the God who saves you, who rescues you, who comes to deliver you. And in Psalm 69, verse 33, he says, For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners, prisoners of their own sin often, as David is here in this story. And then, having strengthened himself in his God, the God who saves, he calls for Abiathar, the priest. Bring the ephod, he says. Now, what is the ephod? The ephod was a piece of clothing that the priests wore, and it, we've just been reading about it, actually, in Exodus in our morning prayer time. Something that the priest was clothed with, and it had stones on it, stones that would engrave with all the tribes of Israel. And the priest would wear it coming into the presence of God because the priest was interceding because of the sinfulness of the people of Israel. Not because of their righteousness. The priest was interceding because of their sinfulness. And so when David and the ephod was there as a means of 
of, of the priest drawing near to God, wearing the ephod in order to hear God, in order to receive God's instruction and guidance and, and leading. And David calls for the ephod. He believes that even in his sinfulness, even in what he has done wrong, God will come and show him what to do. And at last, you only wish he'd done this before he went to the Philistines, he inquires of the Lord in verse 8. David inquired of the Lord. At last, he is turned back to the one he should have been turning to before. Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And God answers. Wouldn't you like to hear God tell you what to do? Yeah, good, Stuart. Well, you seek him with all your heart like David and you will. (laughs) You see? (laughs) David believes in a God who forgives sin. He's sinned grievously. He's in terrible trouble. He's in a mess. He's strengthened himself in the character of God who saves, who's merciful. And now he's seeking guidance. Shall I go and fight this band? And God answers him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. Wow. He's going to get them all back. God is telling him, you're going to rescue them all. (laughs) But hard to believe. After all the mistakes he's made, he's going to have amazing success. Don't we have to get our lives back in order, you know, and get them all fixed up? No, what we need to do is strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God. And we need to hear what he's telling us to do. So David set out. 600 men were with him. And they came to the brook Besor. And those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued. He had 400. 200 stayed behind for they were exhausted. They'd been weeping for, you know, days. They learned no strength to weep. They were exhausted. Now, this story contains a very important principle about the rewards that we receive from serving the Lord. Well, we think we've done a great job for God, you know, we're going to get a great big reward. We're going to fight with David and bring back those families from the Iklag, the Malachites. Well, we'll see what happens here. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate and gave him water to drink and they gave him a piece of cake. And, you know, he was the spy, really. He was the guy who was going to tell him how to reach these ones. And David said to him, to whom do you belong and where have you come from? He said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant to the Amalekites. And my master left me behind because I fell sick for three days. We'd made a raid. Aha, here we go, the raid. And the Negeb, the Cherethites, and against which belongs to Judah, and against Negeb and Caleb, and burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, will you take me down to this band? He said, 
swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master. I'll take you down. When he'd taken him down, there they were spread abroad. They were rejoicing, these Amalekites. <laughs> they were feasting and dancing. Look at that easy catch they had while David and his men were off there with the Philistines. And David looked out. He saw them drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they'd taken from the land of Philistines and the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until evening. You see, they were all drinking too much. And not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. (laughs) Sounds like a party exercise, you know, getting on camels and getting out of here. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken. David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds and people and drove the livestock before him. How do you think David is feeling now? What do you think he's thinking? How good is God? Don't you think he'd be dancing before the, you know, like he'd dance before the ark? He wasn't wearing a lot either, by the way. <laughs> he is so rejoicing in God in his spirit. But what are the men with him doing? They're attributing the success to David. They say, this, this is David's plunder. When David is thinking, this is not my plunder at all. This is God's plunder. This is the God we worship. This is the God who saves us. This is the God who acts for our deliverance. And look what he has done for us. And so when they come back, you see, David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the brook. And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. David was so excited. Oh, man, look what's happened. But the other men, what do the other men say? Oh, those guys, they didn't fight. And what does the Bible tell us about these guys that told him, you know, that they didn't get in the action? Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil we have recovered. That is so often the way we think about life. We judge the people You know, I'm serving you so hard, Lord, in the church. You know, I'm doing all the work. Where are all these people? They should be, you know, doing the tennis court, Michael. You know, know, we we say, you know, they, they ought to be working harder. And the Bible tells us that we are wicked, worthless men. Because who gave you strength to do what you're doing? Who equipped you to push the mower? I used to do the same thing. I was pushing the mower out there and I used to think I was filling in for someone else who didn't come and the stones were shooting and hitting me in the ankles and all sorts of things in my shins and I used to start grumbling and complaining. Why should I have to do this? And the Lord said, Michael, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm doing the lawns for so-and-so who didn't come. No, you're not. You're serving me. Is that what you do when you serve me? Do we think we are achieving anything by what we do? 
Or are we serving? You know, God taught me to sing behind that lawnmower. I started to sing. And wow, it changed my job completely. It became a joy to press the mower and the stones flying everywhere. Well, they started to do the percussion for me. Our attitude in our heart is everything to God. Our attitude in our heart is everything to God. Listen to that tonight. David is a man after God's own heart. And the attitude we harbour in our heart matters everything to God. What we think about God, what we think about each other. And David comes back and he says, because they did not go with us, you say we will not give them any spoil? Do you think we've won this battle ourselves? This is God who's rescued us. And so he says, you shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. The Lord has given this to us. He has preserved us and given us, given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? You know, these ones that went out there fighting with David had not realised the seriousness of their own sinfulness because they had joined with the one who was lying to Akish. They were aligned with him. They were equally guilty. For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall be share alike. And he, he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. We do not gain rewards by our hard labours. Everything is graciously given to us by God. When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends. All the people who had been with him and had supported him, he sent the spoil to bless them. Because all of it was God's mercy to David. He knew that God had been merciful to him, had heard his cries for forgiveness of his sins. He knew it was God's grace to him. He knew that all that he had was because of God's character. And this is why David was a man after God's own heart, because he believed in the character of God. It comes through in all his prayers. And it certainly comes through in his actions here, doesn't it? As he gives us a forerun of the Lord Jesus who told the story about the kingdom of heaven and the workers in the vineyard. For we are so like those workers. Oh, I've worked a long time. I, I deserve more than that guy who just came in the last moment. We deserve nothing. It's all of grace. It's all of God's goodness. It's all because of his love. And it's what we believe about his character that matters so much to God. And when we believe the right things about God, we can turn to him in our messes, in our own problems and difficulties, and be strengthened in the God who loves us, forgives us, is merciful to us, is long-suffering, is patient and kind, 
and who is a saviour. And that's the God we came to worship here tonight. This is the God we worship. Look at that cross. That old rugged cross. So despised by the world who thinks that we should gain heaven by what we do. When all of us gain heaven because of what God has done for us. Nothing to do with what we have done. And that is what David sees in this story of the wonderful rescue of his family. Even in the face of his own mistakes and errors. Because he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Amen.